Hello and welcome to the Nourish Practice podcast, a podcast focused on all things intuitive eating, intuitive movement and helping you heal your relationship to food while moving away from diet culture in hopefully a nice relaxed way. There'll be a mixture of solo episodes and guest interviews. Any topics you would like included just send me a DM on Instagram at Nourish Practice and I hope you enjoy the episode. Hello and welcome back to the podcast. So this week, as you would see from the title, it's all about personalised nutrition. Now, this is not a topic that I would say I'm an expert in by any means. It's just something that I've had people ask me and following on from last week a little bit of those 2024 wellness trends. um, To me, it kind of made sense to follow on with this question that I get a little bit um, and also gather some thoughts if you have any questions or insights do share them with me I'll put my all my information in the link below so with that on with the podcast so one of the sort of major trends on the rise seems to be what's called personalized nutrition so I want to dig a little deeper into the area and hopefully clarify any confusion and also talk a little bit about what that actually means so personalized nutrition tends to be nutrition based on genetics health status lifestyle and personal preferences. So you could argue that working with nutritionists is personalised nutrition because they are working on figuring out what nutrition works for you based on your life factors. But often when we think about it nowadays, personalised nutrition, especially with the rise of blood tests and genetic tests, tends to be a bit more of that focus, especially as we move forwards, genetic tests are going to become more and more prevalent and more and more widespread and available. So the British Medical Journal, and I'll put the link for this below, said that the goal of personalised nutrition is to, and I quote, preserve slash increase health using genetic, phenotypic, medical, nutritional and other relevant information and about individuals to deliver more specific guidance and other nutritional products and services. So it's basically taking that information to curate things for you. So what's the science behind it? So in terms of the science, a lot of the current research, when I was having a little look around the internet, um, focuses on nutritionomics. And the Nutrition Society themselves say that much of this is still hype. It is yet to come to fruition. So I won't go through too much about the science behind it because a lot of it is still not really known and we're still exploring it. So nutrigenomics is relationship between genes and your nutrition, hence the name. Genes correspond to nutrition, and cause some physical outcomes. Some vitamins regulate gene expression and some links have been found between diets high in certain nutrients and the expression of some genes. Again, I'll put the Nutrition Society information below. However, it's super tricky to see how our bodies react to nutrients as we're so complex. You've got environment, genetics, so many other things. For example, uh, the Nutrition Society mentioned one gene called APOE and this has three different phenotypes, each of which responds differently to both diet and exercise. So if one gene has different ones that respond differently, imagine all the combinations that we have in our body. It's getting complicated quite fast. Luckily, there's experts in the area that will hopefully try and decipher it. But as a nutritionist, me personally, even reading the papers, it's a lot of overwhelm and a lot of information. And with more complications, more interrelated genes, diet, environment, more chance for misinformation. If you haven't already, go back and listen to the episode that me and Michaela did all about nutrition information. It was really interesting, even with 
the quote-unquote simple topics that we have now, there's already a lot of misinformation out there. So you take something super complicated like nutrigenomics, that is just asking to be misinterpreted. And for us to say, oh yeah, take this quick test, we'll tell you all about your genes, but the reality isn't quite living up to that currently. So if you see them out there, you can take that with a pinch of salt and read into it. The scientists aren't 100% sure of it yet. The Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics says the use of nutrigenetic testing to prove dietary advice is not ready yet for routine practice. So a lot of these societies are basically not putting their name behind it. They're saying we're not in a place where we would recommend using it because there's still so much that we don't know. Scientists are worried about overpromising to you, the consumer, and so they're basically saying we can't guarantee that yet. Marketing companies don't particularly care about this, it seems. They don't have that same level of scrutiny that the scientists are under. Apparently, changes in behaviour can be found with genetic insight, but it requires quite a lot of your input. So there was a study by Press et al, and they found that using personal data to implement behavioural coaching did improve biomarks of health, but... They did collect whole genome sequences, did clinical tests, blood samples, fecal samples, etc. So it's very intensive. The sample, they even said, had to be really highly motivated. They had to provide data over a long period and the samples were self-selected. So they would have put something out and people would have said, I would like to volunteer for this. So if you're motivated enough to get involved with a study that involves a lot of hard work, funnily enough, you're motivated to elicit behavioural change. Take from that what you will. And a lot of the science focuses on what's called highly motivated people and the benefits of personalised nutrition, which begs the question, what if I'm not highly motivated? And not everyone is 100%, especially if you're having to give blood tests and faecal samples quite a regular basis. Chances are your motivation will dip, which means the benefits of this, even if it was the best technology in the world, may not be accessible to most people because they just can't commit that much. Further, the research tended to find that dietary changes require constant choice making based on any outcomes, which means, again, you're constantly having to adjust and look at the data and then maybe send off further information. They also found that technology tends to be biased towards cultures and population groups. So whatever culture is tested in, a lot of the results will be specific to that culture. And then you've got the ethics of personalised data, the use of these samples, how that data is stored, etc, etc. You've also got the thing of sometimes we know too much and we jump to the worst conclusion. So I know I remember in high school when you had the debate on genetic testing and if you should be told if you are at risk of having certain diseases, how that would make you feel psychologically, how that affects your mental health, the ethics of telling someone that, and so on. If you can do that with nutrition, is it worth it? Will that actually cause more harm as people get more anxious? There's already a lot of health anxiety going around post-COVID. In the BMJ article, they actually mentioned the idea of moving decisions away from the health professional, so away from the nutritionist, into that of shared decision-making, which I think if they can use this as the main outcome from that personalised wellness, I would definitely be on board with that. It's the idea of moving away from they have all the power, but actually it's shared decision making so rather than just saying we've looked at these genetic tests blah blah blah, have this there was a lot of back and forth and that led to more acceptance more adherence so actually discussing someone's health with them bringing them in on their recommendations that made such a difference which i think personally that's the basis of being a nutritionist and how it works currently is that you should be working with your clients not telling them i know better than you hence the whole intuitive eating you are in control
hopefully in the future more people especially health professionals take that on board and there is that shared decision making now i've said a little bit about that sort of nutrigenomics as it were because that is a promising area but for most of us if you google a nutritionist and go on their website chances are they are not going to look at your genes it's not accessible yet and a lot of people aren't jumping on that bandwagon although i have seen big companies do it at health um, expos and fairs and festivals and things like that they've started to publicize their stuff so what you'll probably find is a number of things that a nutritionist may offer the first one being blood tests so this might be for cholesterol blood sugar hormones etc i have at least four or five emails in my junk folder all selling me the opportunity to forward on blood tests to my clients and i will get a cut so just to be very transparent and open a lot of nutritionists are probably taking a cut from those tests in my opinion, this is something I don't feel comfortable with because I'm very fortunate. We live in the UK. Um, and although there's a wait list, it can be hard to get blood tests if there is something of concern. I always think it's worth going to a medical professional. I'll happily work in collaboration with a medical professional. But to say, oh, yes, I'm going to get some blood tests for you and I'm going to decipher those results. Although we have a bit of training at university to do that, I think more training would necessarily be needed to infer it in the same way that a doctor can. So I'd rather work in collaboration with a GP. I've had clients bring results to me and say, I actually went to a doctor. Here's my blood results or here's what they commented. What can you recommend on the basis of that? Working with a medical team, not separate from it. But you will see blood tests offered often. It is very much at your discretion if you would like to take them out with your nutritionist. Next one is gut tests. Now, again, these are not my area of expertise. Um, I'll link below an article from the New York Times that I found interesting. It basically talks about the gut microbiome. And to be honest, gut testing is a really hard one to find articles. And I haven't looked too much into the research for many articles because a lot of them are sponsored by companies that do gut testing, which means they're not necessarily impartial or the author has been given a gut test or it's some sort of um, ad partnership. So... I found that article quite interesting because it was just neutral perspective and it talked about how gut microbiomes are quite unique and the bacteria are complex and rapidly evolving. And actually, when I looked it up, food.gov.uk actually said that a lot of bacteria adapted for our gut environment can't survive in the lab. So it may not be the most accurate as it potentially can be because it's just a very particular environment within your own gut. But to this, people also always quite shocked when I explain that gut testing normally involves having to take stool samples and sending them off as well as blood samples. They're always quite shocked by that. So enjoy that process. Um, for a lot of people, that gut test, if you're having continual gut issues, again, I'd always recommend go see a doctor if you can and get them to listen to you. But if you're not having severe issues with your gut, know that that gut test is only a snapshot of that one day depending on what you ate how stressed you were conditions etc so just know that that is a snapshot if you're having it continually it might show a bit more of a pattern but just to keep that in mind further to this i've seen pricing online varying from about 80 pounds from a gut test to one claiming to test everything and it was over 400 pounds so i follow a lot of gut nutritionists and a lot of them relate to things like food diaries evidence pattern finding maybe working with your gp if you need to for, to work out intolerances but i follow some great nutritionists and none of them use gut tests so if you want to use them you can but again it's not that be all end all i believe 
next one is a food sensitivity test, kind of crosses over with a gut test. This normally involves testing for markers of inflammation. However, the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma and Immunology uh, currently says that they're not sure because markers of inflammation could be tolerance, not intolerance. So again, it's always worth checking with your GP because these food sensitivity tests may not be as useful as going to a GP. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence, e.g. the test says cut out gluten, so you take a few weeks of gluten, introduce it back in, check if it actually has an effect. So I would always check in with evidence of your lived experience rather than necessarily reading that test and saying, oh, test says I'm allergic to gluten, I'm just going to cut it out completely and maybe cause undue stress due to that change. Things like low FODMAP are always recommended rather than necessarily just taking that test. Again, listen to the episode on gut health, super interesting about how even just overthinking about how much we eat and stressing about it really does affect our digestion as well. So even being anxious about taking the test might have an effect. Last one here is hormone tests. Again, not an area of specialism, but one I've sort of seen in the sense that I know that PCOS is becoming something we're really aware of. Thyroid, a lot of people are worried about diabetes, so they're getting their insulin checked. And Instagram is on a real cortisol kick right now of everyone apparently being high cortisol. Often the Dutch test is used, which uses a dried urine sample. I've seen a lot of mixed reviews, mostly um, negative from a lot of people saying that the Dutch test is a really easy route to sell supplements for some people and others have promoted it but again the Dutch test is one that sponsors a lot of people to try out their product so the impartiality is really hard to find Um, but dried urine as a sample of your hormones has been debated quite a lot. A lot of people want their hormones checked we're in a time where I feel people are more aware of their hormones than ever with the rise of Again, PCOS and hormone imbalances and just this slight misinformation around cortisol and just being in that fight or flight mode all the time. Again, stressing about that will affect your hormones. So it is that sort of cycle of how much do you want to know? But if you feel like you have an issue, I would always say, again, go to your GP. If you want to go to a nutritionist that offers that, I would go to a hormone specialist nutritionist. Like I know we learn about hormones but I wouldn't consider myself a specialist enough that I would order you a test and then decipher those results. Again, I've previously had clients pass on results to me and then I can work with their health professionals. But those are the sort of tests you see often. If you have prolonged symptoms, you feel like you need answers, I would recommend getting any of those tests that you feel like you need. Again, GP would be my first route of call, maybe a nutritionist if you've been on a wait list for a long time and you feel like you need answers because that's sort of the private healthcare route. But equally, if you are going, actually, I don't think I need a blood test or I don't think I need a hormone test or a gut test. I'm just going to trial and error it, food diary it, and I'm going to see how that works. That tends to be a bit more of a nutritionist role than personalised tests. Although they are starting to crop up and I've seen a whole new range, um, they don't tend to be the norm currently. So some notes on those sort of tests and personalised nutrition. First thing is, would knowing more make you do more? It's easy to think that more information would be life-changing, but unless it's an intolerance or a serious imbalance, the symptoms of which you might have previously visited a doctor for and would have been causing you to change your lifestyle anyway, that information might not automatically be applied to your everyday life. You know yourself best. Would knowing that you have a high value of a certain thing change your outcome? Would 
knowing you're being tested change it. At university, we had to test for high salt, and the amount of people who actively said they didn't go out and eat a certain type of food or didn't make their favourite dinner because they knew it was high in salt for the test. Would they have eaten that the next day? Probably. But because they knew they were being tested, they didn't eat it. So actually, would it make you change anything, or is it just for the test? You would. Again, you know yourself best. Would it motivate you, or would you just say, actually, this is where I'm at? Next thing is the cost of the test. Again, one website, over £400 for some tests. Some are at 150 each with supplementary testing on top. And most of them are postal, so they can get lost, and it's often on you to then repay, rebook, give another sample, etc. Again, I live in the UK. Depends where you're listening from, but you can get blood tests on the NHS. You just have to ask your doctor for a referral and then ask for the results from your doctor. If you explain your symptoms or your concerns, they can then organise that for you. Next one is that sort of idea of one day is not equivalent to one week, to one month, to one year, etc. Obviously, with the future of genetic testing, that might be different, but things like blood samples or gut samples, that can be a real snapshot in time, and it may change over the course of a week, a month, a year, etc. So always think about what day you're taking it on, what sort of things were affecting you in that time point. If you get a hormone test at the time that you're super, super stressed, would that be different? If you got a hormone test at a certain point in your cycle, would that be different? Know all these things as well. And then last thing, just for me in terms of ending an episode on why I won't write meal plans, I personally don't use tests just because if I feel like, you know what, I'm not qualified to write you a meal plan, I'm not qualified enough to prescribe, I therefore don't feel qualified enough to prescribe you a blood test, hormone test, gut test, whatever, and interpret those results as if I am a doctor. I would rather work in conjunction with someone who has that skill set and supplement it with my own rather than prescribing that to you because I don't feel qualified enough for that. I haven't checked the insurance. I'm sure with so many nutritionists offering it, it is included in insurance because you're not likely to have an adverse reaction from the tests. But in terms of taking in those results and giving you feedback, It'd be very much on an advice basis rather than a prescription basis because it crosses that line. Nutritionist, dietitian, doctor, etc. I hope that's been helpful in some way and not too rambly. I'll put the links below. But just having that think about as we progress into personalised nutrition and more technology in nutrition, more availability of these sort of tests, would they help you with behaviour change? Would it actually be a case of looking at your lifestyle and how things need to change. Maybe it's addressing your relationship to food, your relationship to your body, your relationship to movement, and all of that is actually having much more of an effect than something that can be tested in any of those. As always, I'd love to hear your thoughts. Just send me a message on Instagram at Nourished Practice, or my email is always below. Have a nice rest of your day.